Do eternal and everlasting, Father, we come to you this morning, God, and we thank you and we praise you, God. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you for what your word does in our lives, Father. God, we're praying, as we always do, that, Father, we'll be doers of your word and not just hearers, Father. God, we did not come here to entertain, Father, but we came that we might be thoroughly equipped, Father, for the mission that has been given to us, Father. So, God, we're praying right now that you speak now, for your servant is hearing. Lord, speak now, God, that we might be filled, God, with your spirit, that we might be doers of your word, God. We thank you and we praise you. This is in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and thank God. Amen, amen, amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, you turn to the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter. We're going to read in your hearing verses 35 through 41. And then the King James Version reads like this. In the same day, when the eve was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm, a wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. And said one to another, What manner man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Lord, add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. I'd like to take for a sermon topic in this passage of scripture, simply said, Getting to the other side. Getting to the other side. It's important for every individual to understand that there is another side. That this life is not all that there is. That there's more to come. But there's certainly a second act. Yes, sir. 
it does not just end here. As bad as things are on this side, if you are without Christ Jesus, it's worse on the other side. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, there are going to be some things that we're going to endure. I want to look at this text from the aspect of getting through this next year. Because a lot of pastors and preachers have predicted certain things and certain elements that are going to happen in the upcoming year. And I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't know what's going to happen in the coming year. There's only two things that I know for certain in the next couple uh, passing year. And that is that there's going to be some storms. But I also know that Jesus Christ is still on the throne. Those are going to happen. Because it has been said that life is a series of events that happen to us. It has been said that life is like an, an act that we're all playing a part in. It's filled with its ups as well as its downs. It's filled with its ebbs and its flows. It's good times and it's bad times. It's not always going to be sunshiny in your life or in my life. There are some times that God will allow the rains, will allow the storms to come into your life. And all of us are just trying to get to the other side. All of us are, are trying to, 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 to get what God has prepared for us. Because here's the deal. If, if I had only this to rely on, if this is all that I had to look forward to, I'd be most miserable. Because there's not a whole lot down here on this earth that brings me great joy. At least not the joy that I have in Christ Jesus. You see, because there's going to come a time when I know that all of this is going to be done away with. But, but until that comes, I have to deal with what this world has to offer me. And I realize that there's, some, there's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some suffering that I'm going to have to endure. I know that. But I also know that Jesus Christ, the one who can speak to a storm, Tell it to peace be still. And the great calm comes over it. Mark, Mark's gospel is the shortest gospel out of all of the gospels. It has been pegged as the gospel of action. Because it uses a whole lot of action immediately. It depicts Jesus Christ's actions more so than his teachings. It depicts Jesus as being the suffering servant, the servant that sacrificed 
himself. When the 10th chapter of Mark says that Jesus did not come into the world to be served, but to give his life a ransom for the sins of the world. It tells you who he is. He is the son of man. And his purpose is that he came that he might sacrifice him his life for us. So this is this is this is this is a very short book relative to the other gospels. This, this, this book really gets Jesus to Calvary a whole lot quicker than the other gospels. Does not deal with a whole lot of teaching that Jesus did, but it showed Jesus' actions. And I, I wish today that more of us would be like that. That we would not necessarily be known by what we say, but by what we do and how we conduct ourselves. You see, because folk ought to be able to look at your life and know that you are a Christian. They ought to know that, 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 that there's something greater on the inside of you that's on the inside of other people. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We need to be known by our actions. And here Jesus is known by what he did and not necessarily by what he said. What we say is important, but what we do backs up what we say. And so this, this in the chapter, in Mark's gospel is the beginning of this journey of Jesus marching towards Calvary. This, this, this is the climax of the reason why he came. But in this fourth chapter, he takes the opportunity to deal and to teach the people. These were not ordinary people. These people weren't coming to Jesus because they loved him so much. These people were coming to Jesus because they needed something from him. And understand that all of us need something from God, but that should not be our primary focus of coming to God. That he might be able to open up the treasures of heaven and pour us out a blessing. But it should be because we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Look here in the first verse of chapter number four. It said that he began again to teach by the seaside and there were gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. In other words, they had pressed Jesus so much to where he had to get a boat and move out on the sea and teach them from there because they had begun to lay hands on Jesus. You know, you know one time when he fed them 5,000, two fish and five barley loaves of bread. And after they had, they had, he had fed them, he had left and went to the other side and they came following him. They were going to take him by force to make him king. And understand a physical king, Jesus down here as a physical king would do nothing for us in eternity. So Jesus realizes this. And so he withdraws himself from the people that he might be able to teach them 
He, he puts himself in a position to where they can hear and understand what he's saying. Because there's just something about the presence of Jesus. And so after teaching a full day, the whole day of nothing but ministering and teaching the pe people, Jesus decides that it's time for us to go to the other side. Now, now understand that, that, that even though the text does not clearly say it here, but it is implied here is that perhaps Jesus now is weary. Maybe, maybe ministry work is wearing him down a little bit. Jesus is pouring all of himself into these people. These hard, stiff-necked people that really don't get it. And here, let, let, me, let me tell you something, because there are some times that you and I both have to take a break from ministry. You have to step back sometimes, because we're always pouring into somebody. We're always giving somebody something. Listen here, if you're doing ministry right... Who suggests that? Because Jesus tells them they send the multitude away. And understand this, understand this, this. If you're going to get to the other side, there's three things that you need to know about getting to the other side. The first is everybody can't go with you to the other side. There, 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 there's, there's, there's some folk. Can I take my time? There are some folk that started out in 2023 with you that are no longer with you and did not come into 2024 with you. And you sitting around grieving and mourning over them not being here. And God said that, no, I have to move them out of your way. There, there, there's some relationship that you've been fighting and you've been struggling to hold on to. And God said, oh, no, they were never meant to be with you in the first place. They took you as far as they could take you. They can't take you any further. There's some job, a job that God had to divorce you from because you would have never left it. There's some neighbors. There's some folk that you keep trying to hold on to. And God says, no. There's some of us that have stood by the graveside of a loved one. Didn't come over with you. Difficult times. Hardships. And I tell you this all the time is that, that, that one of the, 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 the most difficult losses that I had was when my mother died. Didn't think I was going to make it. But from a ministry standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, just from a, 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 a preacher standpoint, it was the best thing that could have happened. Because I depended so much on her. I looked to her. I depended upon her. And God showed me with no one certain terms, you need to look to me. 
and God will move some people out of your way because you cannot see him for looking at them. He'll move them. And then listen, there's absolutely nothing that you or I can do about it. Why? Because God did it. It's not even because of my own choice. If I had my way, I'd hold on to everybody. But it's God that does it. And understand that there's some time that it breaks your heart. But you have to realize, what do I want more? Do I want God? Do I want these friends? Do I want these relationships? Do I want these people who have, have, have never meant me any good at all? But because we are infatuated, because he look a certain way, because he walks a certain way, because of what he does for you, you want to hold on to him. Never mind that he, he hasn't asked you to marry him. Ne 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 never mind that you have not taken care of that sin condition that you're in. And here it is, God has been trying to get you to let it go for a whole year, two years, three years, 20 years. Everybody can't go with you. He says in verse number 25, no, 26, he says, and when they had sent away the multitudes, they took him even as he was. And there were also many other little ships. Now understand that there, 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 there are some people who are going to come along with us into the new year. That's what's represented these little ships. They're not in the same ship that Jesus is in. But they're, they're along with him. They, they're, they're coming along. They have some benefits. And understand that in the text you'll find that they have been blessed because of what happened in the main ship where Jesus was at. Because even though they're not in the same ship, they found themselves in the same storm. The reality of it is that, that, that they, you can be in the same storm, but not yet be in the same ship. But also understand that, that, that it's, it's, a, it's the author and the finisher of our faith, the one that's able to speak to the storm, calm the raging seas, and not only benefits those who are in our ship, but also those who are around us. What that tells me, what that tells me is that, is that, is that, 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 that when God begins to bless us, there are times that he blesses us so much that it begins to overflow to the point to which we cannot contain all of it. And it begins to overflow and run down and begin to bless other, other folk. That, that, that's an analogy here. That because of Jesus was on board, the other ships were blessed. So everybody cannot go with you. God is the one that decides 
who's going to go with you? It's not up to you. It's not up to me. God has already chosen. You see, because the reality of it is, is that a lot of times it's just dead weight. It's hard for you to run this race. It's hard for you to, 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 to do what God has called you to do with the weight of people on your shoulders. There's absolutely no way that the boat, the ship, could hold the great multitude. It just didn't make good sense to bring them with them. It had become weighty. And Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Before then, he sends this multitude away. Now understand that Jesus did not always send the multitude away. You remember when he fed the five, uh, uh, the one with two fish and five barley, he had been teaching them all day long. And they said, hey, listen, the people are hungry. We're going to send them home. Jesus said, no, give them something to eat. So there's time that Jesus fed the multitude. But in this instance, he said, no, send them away. So we see that he tells them that we have a destination. The destination is the other side. They took him into the ship along with the other little ship. The second thing we need to understand is that to get to the other side, that we must understand that there will be storms in our lives. Understand, there are storms of life. Storms are a metaphor for the trials and the tribulations that we face in the storms of life. Understand that storms are a certainty. Storms are inevitable. They come in various forms and challenges, uncertainties and trials. And just as these disciples encountered the literal storms on the sea, we too must face our seasons of turbulence and of storms. Listen, he said that the, there arose a storm. Here's the key. That word in the Greek, arose, actually means that it came out of nowhere. In other words, there was no warning. One moment it was calm, it was smooth sailing, and out of nowhere, this storm came. This storm amassed. The winds began to blow. Listen here, the greatness of this storm there was no way that any ship should have survived this storm. This was a top-notch storm. And understand that, that, that there are times in our lives when everything is going fine. All of your bills are paid. You're feeling good in your body. Your relationships are good. Kids are acting right. Husband acting right. White cooking. Yeah. 
Everything's smooth. Then all of a sudden you come home and there's a Kentucky Fried Chicken on the stove. She just stopped cooking. She feels that as long as you're eating, no matter who cooked it, as long as you're still eating. But you get what I'm saying. Everything is smooth. Everything is going fine. You're getting promotions on your job. They're acknowledging you. You're a pillar in your community. You have the respect of your neighbors. But oh, lo and behold, it only takes a matter of time. It, it, it only takes one series of events to turn and to twist that will turn your life upside down. And if you don't believe it, just look at the book of Job. Everything was going well in Job's life. As a matter of fact, it said that Job was perfect in his ways, and he eschewed God. He praised God. He offered sacrifice to God. But oh, lo and behold, before you know it, Job's whole world was turned upside down. It's the same way with us. You're only one phone call away from tragedy. You're only one bill away from bankruptcy. One hospital stay. We need to understand this. That these trials, these storms are going to come. And let's say there's absolutely nothing that you can do about it. There's absolutely nothing that I can do about it. They're going to come. You, you, we should be anticipating the storms of life. But we also should be standing in faith, realizing that God controls the storms. But look at here. This storm comes all of a sudden, out of nowhere. And the first thing that these disciples decide to do is to panic. We're no different. Because when the storm comes in our life, the first thing we do is we look for help elsewhere. Before we even go to God, before we even pray, we'll go to a medicine cabinet, we'll run to a doctor. We'll run to a loan shark. Payday advance. Instead of trusting God. Taking it to God. Understand that this is what pleases God. What pleases him is that when it just don't make sense to trust God, you still trust him. When people begin to look at you and say, you should be losing your mind. Why aren't you losing your mind? Because I got faith. I'm trusting God in this circumstance, in this situation. I won't let this storm overtake me. But I want you to see the two differences in the faith of Jesus and his disciples. Here it says that the disciples are panicking 
And they go and they wake Jesus up. You didn't get that, did you? While they are losing their mind. While they are panicking. Jesus is. He's asleep. Not even the rocking and the reeling of the storm could wake Jesus up. What did that tell you? What that tells you is that Jesus knew what manner of death that he would have. And he knew that this wouldn't be the one. This, this, this here, this is not going to take me out. So therefore, I have faith. I'm trusting. I'm going to make it to the other side. That's what I said. If Jesus said you were going to the other side, you should have crazy enough to know I'm going to make it to the other side. You sitting here panicking, worried, stressed out. What are you stressed out for? What, 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 listen, what, what, what is it that you think is going to prohibit you or stop you from getting where God told you to go? What, what, what is it? What are you struggling with? What are you so fearful of? Here it is. Jesus is on board. At least we say he's on board. But yet we're still panicking. We're still getting upset. We're still fighting folk. When we got Jesus on board. And this is the indication that perhaps maybe Jesus had worn down. You, you, you need to understand that Jesus was human. He had a human body that got tired. And I'm pretty sure those folk got on his last nerve. And so now, after being in the ship, Jesus simply lays down in the hinder part of the ship. And he simply rolls up and goes to sleep. He's asleep. When the storm comes, he's asleep during the storm. The disciples are panicking. And here's, 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 here's the key that perhaps the disciples didn't get. You see, because when the storm came, the reality of it is, is that what the disciples should have did was grabbed a pillow and laid right next to Jesus and went on to sleep. Because that's what genuine faith looks like. Gen gen genuine faith does not look at the winds and the waves. Genuine faith does not listen to the hurling of the, of the winds. Genuine faith supersedes and goes beyond our fears. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, 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 that perhaps there wouldn't have been some fear that had crept up on me if I was on that ship. Perhaps there may have been. But understand that just because you have this fear, it does not stop you from having faith that God is going to bring you through it. Don't, 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 don't get stopped. Don't, don't, don't stop at fear. Because fear design, that's its design. Its design is to stop you. To stop you in your tracks. To stop you from accomplishing what God has for you on the other side. You see, because you do realize that there is a blessing on the other side. So you got to stay in the ship. You got to exercise faith. 
But here these disciples are panicking. And they go to Jesus. And they say, perhaps one of the most stupidest things that I think could be said by these disciples. He says, carest thou not that we perish? Now, 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 let's hear the, the word here is the, ver, is the, is, is, uh, is the we. They're not saying cares that I perish. He said, Jesus, don't you even care if you perish in this? Jesus had already told him that he must be handed over into sinful, to sinful man and must be crucified. Well, you know that he's not going to die in this ship, in this boat. And so Jesus arises because he is the Lord of the seas, that even the very seas obey him. And he speaks these words, peace be still. Now listen, in the Greek word, wording, there's a slight difference here. As a matter of fact, there's a major difference here. Because the Greek word for be still actually means to shut the mouth of. It means to take a muzzle and put it over the mouth of it. So if we really read this correctly, Jesus told the sea to shut up. Because he has that authority. He said, be silent. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put a muzzle over you. Don't say another word. So he speaks to nature. And nature obeys him. Because it said that a great calm came over the sea. A great calm came over the sea. This is significant because we realize that it comes by these disciples' prayer. This is what this really was. It was a prayer of the disciples. They woke Jesus up and it was a sense of a prayer that they prayed. Lord, you don't care that we perish. Because of the prayer, Jesus calms the sea. And not only does it benefit them that are in the ship, but it benefits the little ships that were with them as well. This is Jesus Christ. But it's interesting because Jesus, Jesus began to rebuke his disciples. He said, how is it that you have no faith? You're full of fear, but you have no faith. And it was interesting. I said, wait, 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 Jesus, these are the disciples that you chose. How, how is it that they had no faith? And you have to really go back to the Greek text to really get a, a full understanding of it. Jesus was not saying that they didn't have no faith at all. He was saying in regards to this situation, you have no faith. Here's where it helps us that there are moments, there are times that we're going to suffer with doubt. There's some time that we're going to doubt whether God is really there or not, whether God is going to really work this out for us or not. There are times that you're going to have that. 
So, so don't, don't let nobody tell you that because you have these doubts, you have these fears, that there's something wrong with you. Even John the Baptist had his moments of lapse when it came to Jesus. Even Peter had his lapse when it came to Jesus. And he denied him three times. They went on to be great men of God. Do great things for the kingdom of God. So how is your faith? Where, where, where is your faith at? The Bible said that it's impossible for us to please God without faith. It's circumstances like this of getting to the other side that we need to have faith. And if you're going to make it and God tarries and gives you grace that you make it to 2025, you're going to need faith to get there. You see, because it's, faith is the vehicle by which we're driving on this journey called life. There are going to be some times that life is just going to happen. I'm talking about life happening. It's inexplainable. You can't even explain what's going on. And the church needs to have faith. We sit down and we, we, we talk about faith. We sing about faith. We pray about faith. But faith is something that we do. It produces a work in us. You have faith. Demonstrate your faith. Stop fight, fighting and, and crying and, and worrying and stressing out over stuff. And trust God through it. And that's the only reason why Satan is getting to a lot of us. Because we don't have that faith. We don't have the faith that will move mountains out of our way. We, we, we don't have the faith that will slew a giant in our lives. We don't have that type of faith. But it's there for you. It's there for you. It's because God has given you a measure, the measure of faith. He's already put it inside of you. But it's up to us to exercise our faith. It's up to us to stand in faith. It's up to us to trust God even when we get that doctor's diagnosis. Even when we get the pink slip. Where is your faith? Let, 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 me, let me tell you one other thing I had in here that I didn't tell you. you know, because, because the reality of it is that, is that storms in our lives will really tell you really where you are. It'll give you your status. You see, anybody can praise God while things are going good. We can, we can lift up holy hands. We come in here, we praise God. Thank you, Jesus, so on and so forth. But what happens when trouble comes? When the storms of life come? How do you react then? Where, where is your faith at then? What's your faith level then? How, how much do you trust God when your enemies come against you and they attack you? Do you return evil for evil? No, faith will let you give love for evil. That's what faith will, will allow you to do. Faith will allow you to turn the other cheek and go two miles when they actually just go one mile. That's what faith will do for you. 
Faith will teach you how to love your enemies in spite of how they treat you. And it takes us examining ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. I'm, I'm constantly, every day of my life, I'm examining myself. I'm, I'm, I'm scrutinizing some of the things that I've said or things, some of the things I've done because I realize that they're not always of God. And I realize that there are some things in my life that I need to repent of. There's some things that I've said. There's some people that I've hurt that I need to go to and beg their forgiveness and repent. Because I've been wrong. And I know that I've been wrong. There are some folk that are going on to glory that I've hurt. And I never had an opportunity to say I'm sorry. And I have to deal with that. But I know that God has forgiven me. I know that he has forgiven me. But it still does not stop the memories of it from coming back. But it's the faith that I have. I never want Jesus to come and say that I have no faith. I would rather for you to say I have little faith. Because even the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. I don't ever want it to be said that I don't have no faith. Because I always want to trust God. And no matter what state, whatever circumstance that I'm in, I want to trust God. So Jesus calms the sea. And they're left with these words. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? Well, we know that he was human. We know that he was fully human. But we also know that he was fully God. In his humanness, he got tired. In his humanness, he got hungry. In his humanness, he got thirsty. In his humanness, he felt pain. But in his divinity, he was God all by himself. In divinity, he had the power over nature. In his divinity, he was able to heal the sick and raise the dead. That was all in his divinity. He did not stop being God when he became man. But yet he was still man. He had to be man that he might be able to identify with us. That he might know what we are going through in our human flesh. And Jesus was tempted in all ways, but he never sinned. He had to live a sinless life. That he might be the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And it was Jesus that came to give his life as a ransom. And he did serve just like he said he would. He was that suffering servant that went about doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, giving sight to the blind, unstopping deaf ears. He did that for us. That we might be able to see 
and understand the miracles that he had, the miracle working power that he had. But that wasn't his purpose. That wasn't his task. And if you stop Jesus right there, all you can say about him is that he was a good man. But it was because Jesus continued in the path in which he came for. And that was to give his life as a ransom on Calvary's cross. Yes, one Friday, they marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They lied on him. They spit in his face. They hit him and said, prophesy, tell us who hit you. He never said a mumbling word. They marched him on up to Pontius Pilate. Where he stood before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate investigated, did a thorough investigation and said, I find no fault in him. There's absolutely nothing that you've told me in your testimony that I find fault in him. But because of the Jews, because of them, the religious elite, the religious leaders of that time, Pontius Pilate's fear of them, he gave in to the crowd that cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And that they did. After beating him with the cat and nine tails, after beating him to a point towards, he did not even look like a man anymore. He had been marred far beyond what a man could look like. They took him to the cross. They nailed him to the cross. It was for us. They nailed him in his hands and nailed him in his feet. They pierced him in his side on that cross. Still was not dead. He stayed alive long enough to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Then he declared, it is finished. Father, to thine hands I commend my spirit. Gave up the ghost. Died on Calvary's cross. And if you stop right there, we still are messed up. Because they took him off the cross, put him in that tomb. But the record declares that early Sunday morning, I don't, I don't know what time it was, but early Sunday morning, he got up with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He did that for us. And because of that, we have been justified because of our faith in him. Because I trust in what he did upon the cross. The Bible says that I'm saved. It's not, I'm not saved by my own works. I'd be able to boast of something if I was saved by what I did. But I'm saved by what a loving father did for me. And giving his son for me. And I'm saved forevermore. Because God is able to keep me from falling. To present me faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. The only wise God. That's what he's done for me. That's what he's done for us. But you've got to make this personal. Has he done that for you? Do you have faith in that? Yet still praying for us. Because he sits at the right hand side of the Father. He's making an intercession for us. He's praying for us. 
and understand we need to have somebody praying for us because sometimes I don't even know what to pray for. But it's good to know that Jesus is still praying for me. He's praying on my behalf. Because every time Satan comes to accuse me, he's praying. He said, Father, I died for that sin. I shed my blood for that sin. Then he's coming back. And I don't know about you, but I want to be in that number. I want to make sure that I am in that number. I want to make sure that my name is written in the book of life. And the only way that you can be sure that you have faith in what his son Jesus Christ did upon that cross. I'm talking about genuine faith. I'm talking about believing it with everything that makes you who you are. This is not just an intellectual acknowledgement of who God is and what he's done. This is something that's down on the inside of you. You've got to believe it with everything. Even if it does not even make sense to you, you've got to still believe it. I was not there. But I believe it just as though I was there. 2,000 years ago. Because he's coming to set up his kingdom. He's going to set up his kingdom. He said that if you uh, will suffer with me, you're going to reign with me. So we're going to be reigning with Christ in the new kingdom. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Glory to your name, God. Let's celebrate Jesus. Glory, glory, glory. Is there one? Is there one that will come? Is there one that will come? You can receive Christ today. You can receive Christ in the free pardon of your sin. that one amen you may be seated we're going to have our clerk come now to read the names of our candidates for baptism Macedonia Baptist Church, new members as of today, January the 7th, 2024. We had no Christian experience, but we did have three candidates Amen. for baptism. As I call your name, would you please come to the front and face Pastor Minor? Katia Clark, 
Ian Tucker, and Corey Smitherman. The Bible says that when one comes to give their life to Christ, that heaven rejoices. Church, we have three that have come to give their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to remember their names because I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for them. Understanding that this is a difficult choice. And we here at Macedonia try to make sure that they understand what they're up against. There's going to be some challenges. Satan is going to come. But we're going to pray. And more importantly, Jesus is praying. Because he said that once he has you in his hands, no man can snatch you away. And God has all of you in his hands. So what I'm going to ask from you this morning is I'm going to ask you to make your public profession of faith. Listen, this simply says, I want you to say it loudly, that I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And we're going to start with you. All right, Ian. I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. As your, as your personal Savior? Okay, all right, God bless you. <laughs> amen. amen, 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 amen. And listen, we go, we're going upon that, your personal profession of faith, that it is genuine and it comes from your heart. Uh, we're saying that, how long will you serve God? Forever is a good answer. Forever? Forever is good with you, Ian? Okay, all right, cool. You got a long ways to go, all right? Okay. <clears throat> Will you pray for not only your loved ones, but also pray for your enemies? You, will you do that? Will you continue to come to church and Sunday school, maybe Bible study, that you might be able to grow? Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing 